It's October 16th, and this is the Cream City Pacers Weekly Rundown. Welcome back to another episode, Pacer City. I always think I'm going to think of like a cooler name to call like our listeners or you guys or Milwaukee and then it's like Paceritos or Pacer City and I, I always let myself down with it so forgive me for that but you guys are awesome I tell you what this weather has just been beautiful for running I feel like after crushing it all summer on those long runs and those hot sweaty July August runs and doing the marathon it just feels good to just be crushing miles in this great fall weather all the leaves are turning colors right now so i feel like i'm usually looking at the ground and now it's even more beautiful because all the colored colorful leaves are on the ground and i look up at the tree there's beautiful yellow trees and these beautiful red leaves there's this one route by our house it's like a three mile loop we call it the the wheezy loop for the shorewood loop and it's got this huge tree with these i don't even i'm not a tree person but these beautiful like orange red leaves and we stop every time and look at it. And this year we've noticed other people are also there. It's like almost like an attraction. Like people are just going and like Instagramming the leaves because they're so beautiful. So anyways, long rant over. Fall running's beautiful. You guys are beautiful. I appreciate you guys listening to the show. I know Apostoli and I just realized that we are like released our 60th episode last week. And that's super cool. And we would not be doing this every week without you guys. And we're here this week, and we got another exciting show for you. Apostoli, as you know, announced that he's running a marathon, and he started training. So he's going to give us a little update on that, even though Thunderdome running updates are no, lo- no more. Apostoli still got some, some news for us. And then we're going to make this short because we actually interview an old friend of mine, Ben Schneider, about a lot of stuff. Um, but we talk a lot about mental health and it's a really good interview. We talk about a lot of stuff. We learn about a lot of things that I didn't really, I had no idea and uh, it was a good conversation. So excited to get into that. And Apostoli is looking at me through the zoom, giving me the gun fingers. What's up Apostoli? What's up? Well, you said, you know, I want to say something. This is a, this is a great podcast. I think it's never been better. You're doing such a fantastic job as a host. Uh, you've improved so much. There's so many great things coming. And I'm not just saying this myself. It's what we're hearing from the people, the reviews out there, the the emails that you sent to us. Thank you so much for all the support. Um, we love feedback, any kind of feedback, of course. So if you have any suggestions, please send them over to creamcitypacers at gmail.com. And that's um, creamcitypacers at gmail.com. Whether that's uh, a review, uh, a recommendation to improve the show, if you have a guest recommendation, whatever it is, if you just want to say hi, if you want some stickers, send us mm. an email. I got some important news. I just ordered a bunch of hologra- uh, like holographic stickers, like the ones you got for 25 cents at the grocery store. Whoa. I got 50 of them sitting in a package downstairs, and I need to give them to people. And if you guys don't send me an email for me to send you those, I'm just going to go stick them all over the Oak Leaf Trail signs on the Oak Leaf Trail and commit vandalism. And we don't want that, but it's brand recognition. It's brand awareness, so I'm going to do it. So here's the thing. Here's one thing that I have been doing sometimes, and I look like a crazy man, but I don't care. Uh, when you know, One way to promote the show, great way. Of course, you can you can share our uh, or post on Facebook and Instagram and tell your friends about it and review us on a five-star review on uh, Apple Podcasts. But another great way that I have found is when I'm driving my car uh, and I see somebody running, I'll roll down my, my window and I'll scream, Cream City Pacer. And this sticks in people's minds. They'll say, what, what the hell was that? But then later on, when they do hear about Cream City Pacers, their mind is already primed for it. So... If you're out there driving, roll down your window if you see a, a running uh, person running, or if you're running by them, biking by them, just uh, scream Creed City Pacers. That's the best way to support our podcast. Thank you. Do you do that, Alex? Um, so what I do is I actually will just run across the trail and rip out your headphones and say, are you listening to the Cream City Pacers? And when they look at me frightened, I say, give me your phone. 
as if they think I'm going to rob them. And then I just look up in their favorite app, Cream City Pacers, favorite it, put on the latest show and have them listen to it and send them on their way. That's more, that's more practical. You see, that's why you're in marketing and I'm not. <laughs> um, I'm more of the subliminal kind of messaging guy. But anyway, what else is up, Alex? Well, before what we else go into this interview. What else is up? Uh, um, we have an awesome sponsor this week. Uh, it is Mimosa Breakfast and Brunch. As you know, this is my favorite brunch spot in Milwaukee. They have two locations in Brookfield, which is their newest one, and Franklin, which is the OG original one. I was actually just at the Franklin location this weekend. Um, not to dine in, but for curbside pickup. It was great. It's always a great experience when I come down there by you guys. And you weren't even there, and they handled it with, with, with great care. Um, they do a better one. I'm saw, not there, actually. I mix them up I, every time I'm there. <laughs> I saw um, Amy was there. Uh, and if you guys don't go to Mimosa, you're not going to know who this is. But Amy is pregnant, and she was taking orders from the car, and we were, like, talking to her. It was great to catch up with her. And, you know, you know I got myself an orange juice. I... It's underrated, but your fresh, fresh squeezed orange juice every day is just so good. It just hits the spot. I could drink a gallon of it, no joke. But uh, we take it seriously. But anyway, yeah, stop and we do the dine-in thing, of course. But yeah, Amy is pregnant, and to keep her safe, she stays outside the uh, the restaurant and uses one of the iPads to put in the order. She helps us out basically. So um, we well, don't want her to be your, inside. Your, she doesn't want to be inside right now. She wants to keep herself safe. She's but, one of your like original employees. And yeah, she she's is. She's pregnant she is, yeah. and she wants to be safe and you, she can do her job from her car. It's super yeah, cool. She was we super definitely pumped. love her. So okay. let's uh, what, let's let's hear this. So you. how's your marathon training going? We need it's to find going. a new sponsor if you're going to be marathon training. If you want to sponsor this segment of the podcast where we talk about our running update, please send an email to creamcitypacers at gmail.com and we will talk sponsorship opportunities. Yes, we have a few options. So anyway. Uh, podcast. Yeah, it's going great. The marathon training. Like, actually, I logged into my app, uh, my Garmin app, yesterday, and, and it said that in the past seven days I had done 21 miles, 22 almost. Uh, so definitely a big jump compared to everything else. I will say this: um, I've been setting it as a priority every morning. I've been saying I don't care what happens. I don't care if I wake up late. I don't care if they call me from work. I do have the advantage of being, you know, having my own business to to not go at a certain time. So I've been setting a priority based on the uh, answer that uh, or the suggestion that Jeremy Foyet from last week's episode gave us, uh, which is make it a priority schedule your work around running and not the other way around which is not something that i was doing so i definitely applied that and i've been feeling great had some good runs i will say this three things to touch up on real quick let's go into this interview uh one one thing always during this time of the year and or during spring the biggest issue i have alex is uh, what do I wear? I don't know what you do when you when you don't know what what to wear. I know you're usually a shorts guy. You you look at the weather. You're like it's shorts weather, but many <laughs> times I'm in that limbo. You don't know. Okay, if it's forty degrees, what do I wear? If it's forty five degrees, because you're always supposed to add twenty degrees to it once you get warmed up, right? Uh, so if it's fifty degrees, it's gonna feel like seventy once you get warmed up. So that's shorts weather. But sometimes I need a little bit of a of a suggestion from somebody and runnersworld.com, the runner's world. Uh, if you search runner's world, what to wear in Google, uh, they have this nice little app thingy where you select your gender, the temperature outside, the conditions, windy, um, you know, what time of the day you're going and how fast you want to go. If it's going to be a track workout, or is it going to be an easy run? And, um, and then it gives you a little suggestion. It actually pops up with this, very, very, very cartoony, almost 90s looking uh, cartoon of what to wear. And it's been quite helpful because the other day I woke up and it was 47 degrees. I said, oh, I need to put a long sleeve shirt. But the app told me, no, put in a short sleeve shirt. And I'm so glad I did, especially because it was a little bit of a harder workout. I had to go a little bit faster. So definitely cool. was feeling absolutely fantastic uh, doing that. Second, what's up? I'm just I, I I didn't know this existed and I'm on it right now as we're doing it and this is super cool. 
Yeah, it's been around only for a year, I, uh, from what I see, from September 30th. You can pick, like, the conditions. So, like, snowing, is it dusk, is it night? So, oh, this is cool. Look at this. Okay, we're definitely going to link this. This is pretty sweet. And I love this. And I'm going to put it on our website and steal it. So, thanks, <laughs> Runner's World. And uh, the second thing I want to talk about, last week, you, it was last week or two weeks ago, Patrick, it was two weeks ago when Patrick was on the show, he mentioned... He talked about the grandpa, the grandpa shuffle, which basically means that never walk. You should never walk when you feel tired during your run. You should do the grandpa shuffle. This is something that I used to do back in the day. I would always say, no, you're not going to stop no matter what. And I stopped doing that at some point. I, I started walking in between my, uh, you know, my, my harder intervals or when I would get tired. And this is what I would say about the grandma, sh- the grandpa shuffle. Or the grandma shuffle depends on what how you want to see it. The grandpa shuffle, Alex, is basically a way for me to slow down almost to a walking pace, but f- somehow I end up running again without even realizing it. To go from walking to running is extremely hard. I'm sure you've noticed, right? Is mm-hmm. when you're walking to say, okay, now I'm gonna start running. It's a big decision. Your heart rate has dropped. Um, is it's it's just a completely different thing where it takes a big, you know, big, big push to do that. And I, with the grandpa shuffle, I hadn't tried it in a long time. And man, I would catch myself running super fast again without having said to myself, now it's time to run. You know, hit the button right now. Have, Patrick, do, do yeah. you have, Patrick is such a genius. With I these used it. Things, I used right? it. I used it for the marathon. Do the Patrick shuffle. I got the cutie shuffle stuck in my head every time, but I don't know the words to that besides do the Cupid shuffle. So I can't really do a remix here and say, do the grandpa shuffle. Let me tell you what I, uh, I was going to say two things. I am really proud of you for gearing up and doing this marathon because this is the toughest time to start running. Well, after fall into winter, um, I got new shoes this week. Super excited. Went to pro. Uh, this is a free nice. free plug, Tra- Jess, Trey, free plug for you guys. Um, uh, try it on every shoe like I've been doing. I've, I have this thing where I'm just going to try on every shoe because I really want to see what fits. And this time, the Brooks Glycerin, that was it. I, I got them. I got them. Feels great. Good shoe. And huh. uh, there was going to be one other thing, but I totally just got distracted that the fact that I got new shoes. So I can't. Well, that was there's a good a- one, too. We'll come back to that real quick. I want to say this is the perfect time if you're bored on your run and if you don't mind looking like a crazy man. No, it's not about shouting uh, Cream City Pacers to people that are driving by. But Alex, one thing I was doing the other day, I was so bored in my run. Um, I was trying to catch a falling leaf. Have you tried that ever? I don't know where (laughs) I got that from. But I I was in the oak leaf and you can see leaves falling. But I cannot catch a single one. It's quite it's quite challenging. You have to time it right. You have to see it, and some of them fall faster than others. Uh, but again, I was I did look like a madman. But it was uh, it was six a.m. in the morning, so six thirty <laughs> that I, right around that time. So that's super funny. I did thank you for buying me some time because I remember what I was going to say. Okay, talking about what to wear. Uh, friend of the pod, Ben Glasspole, his what he says always sticks in my mind. If you're not cold before you run, you're overdressed. So this applies mm. to cold weather. So like if you're standing outside stretching and you're warm, you're going to be freaking hotter than ever on your run. You should be freezing before you start running. Unless it's super cold, then you should wear the right clothes. <laughs> and, th- and then there are times when you, you can actually remove layers, right? Or yeah, you yeah. should like, remove layers. Like, like this morning, it was like 48. That's cold, man. We've been used to this warm weather all year. I was freezing. But, you know, it's going to be, you're going to start sweating. And I sweat. So enough about my sweating problems. Let's get into this interview with Ben. Uh, you guys are great. We're excited for this. Let's jump in. Awoom. That's my transition into this segment. We are into my favorite part of the podcast. And today we have Ben Schneider. He 
is a good friend of mine. We're both from Fond du Lac. This is exciting. Yes. Our, yep. my fir- our first Fondy guest, that's not me. But Ben is the director of sales, training, and development, and he also leads uh, the diversity inclusion team at Badger Liquor, uh, which Apostoli uses Badger Liquor. It's all just coming full circle. Ben was also recently named as an emerging training leader to watch by Training Magazine, which is really cool. So congrats on that. Can't Thank wait you. to hear more about that. And Absolutely. Not only did you participate in the Run for Justice, but this summer you also walked a marathon. So that some people like, I don't want to be on my feet for a marathon, let alone walk it, is a long time. So (laughs) Ben, welcome to the Cream City Pacers. Thank you. Thank you very much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Before we jump in, I think this is funny. So like we met in high school. I'm like a little bit younger than you, but like just two dudes and Fondy hanging out, and now here we are years later. Yep, Talk talking about on a running much podcast. bigger things, and yeah. both grown, and yeah, absolutely. So we went to different high schools, but right down the road from each other, and it's been a while. It's good to see you again. So I'm excited to talk to you here today. Yeah, this is sweet, and obviously for you listening at home, you can't see Ben's shirt, but Ben, let's talk about that shirt. Yes. So it's definitely from one of my favorite movies, Heavyweights, if anybody's seen it. Disney classic, underrated, with uh, Ben Stiller as an evil camp counselor uh, for for a camp. And it's it's a great shirt. The camp was called yeah. Camp Hope, and that's it. <laughs> that's a sweet shirt. We uh, we were discussing what we should wear for the show, and we're all dressed down in our athleisure wear. So this is going to be a, good, a really yes. good time. Yep. So Ben... Tell us a little bit about who you are and kind of what you've been up to during COVID, just before we jump in here. Yeah, so like you had alluded to before, born and raised in Fond du Lac, Wisconsin, and then moved to Milwaukee for for college. Uh, that was already 14, 15 years ago. So UW-Milwaukee went there for school for marketing and finance and then moved into a number of different sales-related roles and then eventually now into more of a training role. So. Really, the last 10 years, I've spent career-wise a lot of time in um, electronic medical record sales, into financial planning software sales, also cybersecurity sales, and now the liquor and wine business. So it's been a, a, a nice journey there. And then COVID, I think, as, as we've all been, we've all been a bit impacted in one way or the other, some more than others, and some very fortunate still to to have you know full employment and things like that. So I was one of the, the lucky few to be um, impacted, but not necessarily from a career standpoint. My, my jobs remain well intact and the company's still having a lot of success. So very, very lucky and fortunate there. Um, and as you alluded to also that we'll talk about a little bit today, um, I'm an avid walker. So I will just up and go for two hours, three hours at a time, especially in Wisconsin, you only get maybe you know five or six nice months of the year. So you gotta take advantage of it. Um, but those, yeah, that's just a little bit about me. That's that's super cool. I so we also we had the same major in college. I was a oh, double yeah. marketing and finance major from UWM as well. Wow. Very nice. It's even it's even smaller world. So that's super cool. But <laughs> you know, let's just let's just talk about it. Let's jump right into running or walking in this case. So you you walked a marathon one day, but you're an avid walker, like you said. So like just why do you walk? Like why do you go out and do that, or wh- whether it's a run or walk? Yeah, and I think especially with with COVID, it's just so nice to be out of kind of the the house where we've all been essentially told we're we're meant to stay. So with that, I, I live in Wauwatosa right now, and it's very walkable to some other suburbs like Elm Grove is very close nearby. You can walk downtown if you want to, and that was part of the big <laughs> <laughs> marathon. Thing. You can walk downtown. You can you walk downtown to. if you want, if you really want to, um, and it's just it's probably the most peaceful time that that I find myself a part of. And it's just whether I wanted to be listening to a playlist that I created, listening to a podcast or listening to some audio books, it's just being outside and being in nature. As corny as that sounds, it it can be very therapeutic and very much um, helpful for my own mental health. Um, And that's why it's also, I'm not a great runner. So I know it's a running (laughs) group. Running isn't something I ever excelled at, so I figured why not just take, you know, an extra hour or two and get kind of the same amount of steps, uh, maybe the same amount of mileage. But um, so, yeah, I just took up walking. 
that's that's super cool so what what do you use that time for I, this is something we we i like to ask our guests because some people use it as a time to kind of escape and just listen to a podcast some people use it as you know creativity where at last week's show we had uh jeremy uh co-founder of new and he's like every mile i have like a different thing in mind so mile one i'm going to try to answer this question mile two i'm going to think about this so it's it's always really interesting. So kind of what do you use that time for in your, in your head? Yeah, and it's definitely a mix of, of everything. There's been times where it's been a nice escape where I just know I want to be out for two hours. I know the weather's going to be nice, and I want to stop and maybe take some pictures and kind of walk through nature and things like that. And then also if there are different books that I want to kind of go through and read but not read and just listen to them uh, <laughs> through that, I know that I can get a good chunk of a book kind of completed in a nice long walk. I've also found some nice, um, you know, grocery stores that I would walk to so I can plan going and getting a lunch. And through that time, it's kind of my personal time where I can take, you know, an hour and walk to Outpost, which is one of my favorites, local Milwaukee Mm. uh, grocery stores and grab something and walk back. And then, you know, at the same time, there is the exercise element of it too. So the low impact, but still, you know, watching on my, my, my Apple Watch and understanding I'm still getting a lot of benefit out of this um, while still getting a lot, of, a lot of time to myself to think. Is this, is this kind of new for you to get out and start doing this kind of activity or is this kind of always who you've been and like it's just you're kind of more hyper-focused on it now during COVID because you want to get out of the house? I would say the last two to three years since moving into a house and moving into kind of Wauwatosa and just the number of different paths and the different um, bike paths and things like that that I started to to uncover. Previous to that, I had lived primarily downtown, kind of the Yankee Hill area, which again, you could still do a lot of walking and there's still a lot to do around there. Um, But I was younger and was more focused on going to (laughs) bars and going out to eat and all that stuff too. And um, settling down a little bit and focusing on wanting the again kind of the the easy daily type exercise and I'm also in a spot where I know that not everybody has you know two to three hours they could devote to a walk I don't have children currently I don't have you know um, outside of kind of taking for myself care of myself there's mm-hmm. not a ton that um, you know I, I have to take care of so well, I also great. have to recognize that have... that's yeah that's great you get the time for that what did you live at Yankee Hill Yes. Apartments? Yep. I lived at uh, one of the. Did you also? Yes. This is. Uh, wait. So we went to the same city. We went to the same college with the same degree. And I know we've seen each other around and, and whatnot. And we both lived at Yankee Hill. And yep. like, wow. And now yep. we're here. This is <laughs> now super we're here. funny. Hilarious. October 13th. Yeah. So one thing you said before that I want to circle back to is you, know, you can listen to a large chunk of a book or a, a full book on a walk. And that's how I feel like this, like, so we, I just ran the virtual Milwaukee marathon, lakefront marathon. And it was great on a Saturday when I had like 10, 15 miles, I could listen to like a two hour podcast. I could listen to like, you know, how like the, the New York times has like the series out. So there's like rabbit hole and like what nice white parents listen to the whole thing in one run and it was just epic because it's like you can't do that normally right you can't like but when you're out doing activity for that long you have the opportunity for and i feel like that's super cool because not a lot of people can do that so when you said that it just like rang the bell of like yeah that is something cool and to be proud of that we can do yeah and i think the um for me personally, over the last two years, uh, part of my role with the diversity inclusion team is really trying to identify and understand a lot of different topics that um, through growing up, I hadn't seen as far as a lot of diversity and understanding the history when it came to different things uh, like racism, anti-racism, things that we wanted to start talking about on a daily basis at work. But I also knew that I had to be at least proficient in talking about and understanding it. Um, So not to say that you know, those books that I was playing catch up, but in a way, since it wasn't, you know, diversity didn't run through my whole life, I was playing catch up. Um, So again, a long chunk of time to go through that type of material is very, very helpful. And that is, um, I mean, like you said, you're playing catch up, but that's, it's not just like listening to 
you know, a book or a podcast. This is like yep. deep. This is you. I mean, you're you're the lead of this. You're at a company who, and you guys are trying to lead a t- lead your company and everyone inside of it to understand this and you know to come together. So there's a lot there, right, to unpack. Uh, kind of how was that for you? Um, that going through that, going through that. I'm not gonna call it calling it a journey, but like reading those books and you know trying to become a better version of yourself. Yeah, I think uh, that's a great question. And I think um, one of the mistakes that I had started to make, and I think a lot of uh, specifically white individuals make, is that we might bucket that type of work into um, self-improvement type work. And in reality, it's so much more than that. I didn't take on, you know, wanting to learn and educate myself so then I can educate others for the sake of feeling like I'm a better person. In reality, that's the type of work that we all have to do to help out those that are less privileged or those of minority groups that might see more oppression than, for example, me as a a white male. And understanding that and taking away the fact that, like, I'm not just doing this to come across as a good person or tell people that they can feel better about themselves if they do this work. It's incredibly deep, difficult work that... Um, I do feel like, you know, white men are kind of the ones that benefit the most from a lot of these topics, but are also one of the fewest that are speaking out about it. Um, So hopefully that kind of gave a little piece of what my thought process was and how important it was um, and is to me and hoping that people can continue to learn and feel more comfortable speaking out as well. Yeah, I know. I I think that's great what you're doing and and I you know I've seen it I follow you on Instagram and social media and you're always I, it's great when you're at like the um you did something really cool and I'm thinking about it but you went to like those little local libraries that are yeah. like you know in someone's neighbor and in, uh, in someone's front yard and you put a bunch of these books that you were reading in there and I thought that was that was really cool I'm assuming it was in like a white neighborhood and I think yeah. that's like something like that is super small but you know I walk past those all the time and you, you see those types of books in there and you're like okay hey this is great like this is something that I think we all should be reading and all should sure. be <clears throat> especially being a white male myself it's like what am I what can I be doing right I feel like I've been in, in, the, in this place of um like I've been given all this stuff and how can I start reading these things and, you know, bring myself closer to my community and help us all move forward together. So absolutely. Yeah. So, um, you know, something else I think that's like really important for everyone during COVID is, is mental health. And this is something that we want to, one of the top talking points that we definitely want to talk about today. So kind of, when it comes to mental health, a lot of people don't like to talk about it, right? It's kind of, you internalize it, you bury it, you don't talk about it with anyone, you know, it comes out, it can come out then in different forms of anger or frustration or sadness. So how have like you been handling mental health through COVID and even before? Yeah, absolutely. And I can give a little context as far as where I feel I've really focused on having a lot more conversations and becoming more of a mental health advocate. And it started really in the last five, seven years. A previous significant other of mine worked in the mental health field, so I learned a lot from them and also looked internally at a lot of, you know, how I was brought up, um, what are some of the stigmas about talking about mental health, what are the benefits of talking about it, what are the benefits of going to therapy and counseling, and what are the benefits of just as cliche as it sounds like understanding your true self and bringing your true self to every interaction that you have. And what I found is that there's so many more benefits of talking about it to people, even if it's a friend, if it's a family member, if it's a close friend or somebody that you haven't talked to in a while, then holding that in. Because like you talked about, the more you hold things in, the more that's just going to come out in, in, in negative ways. Um, and me, myself, I've been going to therapy for the last, uh, on and off for the last five years, but really consistently in the last year here. Part of that was to deal with just some, some personal anxiety and COVID. Part of that was also I saw a lot of my friends have some very either minor to major mental health issues that just kind of sprung up. And where I felt, and I think a lot of my friends felt a little helpless, was that for months we didn't know that this person was even 
battling anything. And it wasn't until they finally were able to go and talk through this with kind of a therapist or go seek help. And then they came and felt comfortable saying, hey, for the last three, four months, I've been feeling X, Y, and Z. And I know we didn't really talk about it, but we didn't feel comfortable talking about it. Um, and I think those were some of those signs, especially for my core group of friends, I would say. And I have probably 12 to 15 male friends that I'm really good, close friends with, talk daily with. We knew that that was the moment where, hey, we got to talk about this stuff. We are not going to take, you know, a chance that one of us might not be feeling great or might be struggling and then all of us just not know about it. <clears throat> so that's kind of the, the long and short of my focus on it. Um, but I do think it is one of those things that once you kind of open, um, open up once about it, it does get so much easier to talk to about. Because um, also, as you alluded to, we grew up in such a way, uh, our parents' generations, older generations, especially for males, you know, mental health is not something you talk about. If you talk about feeling sad or if you cry, there's a weakness element that's being shown there. You're supposed to just suck it up. You're supposed to, sh you know, rub some dirt on it. But all that does is continue to bury things deeper and deeper. And then that comes out either on your friends or your significant others in a number of different ways. Um, and there are some really, you know, core kind of easy concepts through mental health that I'll, I'll definitely talk about that I think anybody can benefit from from thinking about. But that's just a little bit of my background where it has been such a focus. I'll go, Alex. Okay. Um, ben, that is that is a it's a great subject and kudos to you for for being open about seeing somebody. And uh, th there's been such a stigma, as you say, um, you know, I'll go ahead and, and say myself that for the first time in my life, uh, it's been about four months that I did decide to go and see somebody. It's more of, um, as you said, to, to deal with anxieties, to deal with uh, the changes around us and within myself. And the benefits that I've seen are just uh, beyond uh, anything else that I've done. I've been trying to meditate for years and running and all that. And it's just it's it's a switch and being able to tell people and again this is publicly it's the first time that i ever have said it. i don't think anybody else knows in my life and i'm announcing on the podcast sure. having the strength to go out and tell people uh that that is the case is is a big thing i want to switch gears just a little bit right now the the world is being divided more and more right you see it politically uh, socially uh, in many regards um what do you think of this whole uh, this whole play that's going on with political correctness? There's one side that is believes that political correctness is a uh, uh, is a must, and then there's the other side that says, ah, whatever, deal with it. This is this is how I feel, and I feel like that's how a lot of people are dealing with their own emotions when they're telling somebody else to bury it or deal with it, or you know, I I will do what what I want. We try not to be political in this podcast, if I may just make a note. Uh, somebody did say that we do get political, but it's hard not to nowadays. But um, sure. But how, how do you see this playing out, if you could make a prediction, or how do you feel about it? That's a great question, and I think when it comes to anything of kind of a political correctness or political understanding, um, some of that, especially when it's related to mental health, some of the commentary that you might receive if you are expressing mental health or um, talking about it might be guided by somebody's yeah political views and their experiences drive those commentaries. And I think the big thing that I always try to talk about is when it comes to politics, a lot of people do talk in extremes where it's very black or white. There's no gray area. But when it comes to mental health, one of the most important things that I realize is that there can be multiple things that are true at the same time. There could be multiple truths that are taking place where although one person might state something or feel a certain way, everybody else has to remember that their life experiences and theirs alone are what brought them to state that or claim that. In reality, my life experiences are not going to be exactly like this next person. Now, I know Alex and I have apparently a lot more in common than we even thought and our life experiences brought us here. But the, the concept of multiple truths and if everybody could be more open to that and understand that, hey, this person is expressing an opinion of a political nature. 
they might feel the need to back it up with facts and figures and statements and all that. I can take what they're telling me and understand that, A, this is still coming from their point of view. Their point of view is shaped by their life experiences and what brought them to this moment. Mine are shaped by what brought me to this. And I can decide whether or not it's something that, you know, I would benefit from thinking about. And that, that kind of touches on where, where I hope things would go is just that people can be more open-minded about discussions, when to have them, why they're having them. I think a lot of people, especially when you get into kind of Facebook posting, and Facebook's one where it's, it can just be kind of a nightmare, because I feel like somebody feels they have to state an opinion, almost goading people with the opposite opinion to come in and say, no, this is wrong, and then for them to come back and correct them. When in reality, if you're actually trying to make a positive conversation or positive impact on somebody's life by providing them information, you probably aren't going to do it in that medium. You probably aren't going to argue with somebody else in front of everybody else because you are on a bit of a pedestal on Facebook. And it's, it's just getting back to the concept of multiple things can be true at the same time. Our truths are driven by our own life experiences and just, just being open to conversation and not feeling it always has to lead into an argument, I think, if I had to summarize a little bit there. I think that's a, that's a valid point. Obviously, that was a good question. I think you see, you see so many people, that's what it is, right? It's just bickering on posts. It's saying something, and it's not like, right, everything's become political. Wearing a mask has become a political thing, right? Everything has, and especially on Facebook when you, when you could do that. And I feel... I just feel like so many people are just funneling their emotions through these posts more than ever. I mean, it's a political cycle right now, so you see it, right? I mean, go on Facebook. It's crazy to see. It's crazy to see what people are saying where it's like, I've never heard you even say that out loud before, and now you are yeah. putting it in this lengthy post with any bad <laughs> people in the comments. So it's, it's, it's kind of crazy, but the, the open... You, I think you said it really well, being open-minded, because everyone's coming from a different place. It's whether it's your life or your news sources or what you hear or who you hang out with, right? It's all a little bit different. And I think that comes to just like you as a person, right? Like being, I feel like how I'm taking this, right? I was like, I need to be a little bit open, more open-minded with my own mental health. Like, like I said, I internalize most of, most of it. Now, Bistola, you said like, you've been seeing someone for four months. Like, that's incredible. And that's something like people, I mean, we do the show every week. I had no idea that was a thing. That just goes to show right there that people don't talk about it, right? Because it's, it's a sign, can be a sign of weakness or whatever you want to call it. And, and that it, that's not the case at all, right? I mean, you just said it's the best you felt in a long time. And that's, that's incredible. And I think just yeah. being being more open-minded to telling people that and then being open-minded to take that information in is something like we don't see a lot as a society. And I think that's something we can all work towards just to become a little bit better at. Absolutely. And thank you very much for sharing that, especially, um, again, like you said, the more people that are talking about it and open and expressing benefits, that's, that's huge. So how, how would you recommend, it sounds like you, you know, have, you talked about this with your friends and whatnot. How do you as like a person say like, I have been feeling a ton of anxiety and I haven't, I, I don't know how to like express it, whether it's to my wife or my friends or, or like my boss or something. Um, is, have you found or have you heard like any good way to kind of go about trying to bring that to the surface for the first time? Yeah. And I think um, this kind of goes into one of the, the key things I've learned is just being really, open about labeling emotions and feelings, especially when you're talking to somebody that, you know, for instance, say I have a friend of mine and I consistently go to them and maybe I say, you know, I'm mad or I'm sad or I'm upset. Hey, I'm just feeling down versus if I go to them and say, Hey, I've been feeling kind of aloof or despondent, or I'm super confused lately and I don't know what's going on. I don't feel like I have somebody to talk to. And I just want to open this dialogue with you. Or if you can go and say, hey, I really think I would benefit from talking to a third party who's a professional that is meant to understand and just listen. Because that's the thing, too, is if, if somebody hasn't thought of going to a counselor or a therapist, you, you kind of cap yourself at the advice that your friends and family or significant others can give you. 
And a lot of times they're going to give you the advice that's still in your best interest, but they're not going to ask the questions that'll get you to come to that to yourself, like a therapist mm -hmm. or a counselor is designed to do. Therapists, their job is literally to ask you those questions to help you uncover things that you haven't thought about in 10, 15, 20 years, or you didn't know you had to think about them. And my best friend, you know, for example, say, I love, you know, I've known this guy for 20, 30 years. He's not a professional to know to ask me those things. Mm -hmm. And I think that's one avenue to look at, too, is that just saying, hey, I really feel like I need to talk with somebody else that isn't so involved in the day to day of our lives that can help me start to unpack and uncover these things. I like it. I think that it's, it seems too simple, but I think it's, I think it's true. Whether it's telling someone close to you is step one, you know, just to get it out there and then, you know, seek professional, um, help and get it, you know, get someone to have those conversations with you, I think is, uh, is really important. So what other key things have you learned like along this, this journey that you have been going down with mental health? Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I try to summarize it so I don't ramble too much. I could talk about this for hours, but well, we can three... ramble. We're on a podcast. We can <laughs> ramble right. all day. There's three key things that I think really helped me. And I do think they are basic enough that they could help anybody. Um, and I want to talk about those. So the first one was just the ability to label emotions and kind of move away from a good and bad binary of emotions. The second one is just understanding that all of the, all of the thoughts that we have in our mind are just stories that we're telling ourselves. And we do have the ability to latch to some of those stories or not latch to some of those stories. And then the third concept is just the concept of the inner child. So those three things, I think if, if anybody that's listening wants to start somewhere and think about these things, it can only help. So when I talk about labeling emotions, just like really with anything in life, we're kind of brought up to put things in either this category is bad or this is good. So I could ask either of you if you listed off what's a good emotion. And I think most people would say happiness or joy, excitement. Okay, what, what's a bad emotion? Well, sadness or anger, frustration. And that's really that good, bad binary. And the challenge there, going back to what we talked about a little bit before, we try, <clears throat> we try to focus on those good emotions and go after those. And then we end up trying to avoid or suppress some of those bad emotions. Mm -hmm. But what happens when you keep avoiding anger or frustration or say you experience it but push it down right away? That's when that bubbles up and that's when outbursts happen or you yell at your friend or significant other or you might be physically violent or that can even lead to things like, you know, your ego taking over, infidelity, all those things come from the suppression of some of those quote-unquote bad emotions. Mm -hmm. Where if you look at emotions just as a spectrum, all humans will experience all different emotions. And if you can label an emotion and take it for what it is and let it pass, you've acknowledged that, hey, right now I'm feeling anger. I used to think this was bad, but if I just sit with this for a minute, I can actually understand what, what I'm feeling why am I angry? Let's ask myself some questions. So does that kind of make sense for that first one is looking at all emotions as things we should experience and not that we're going to seek out, you know, I want to go seek out being jealous or anything like that. But if I happen to be jealous of something, why am I jealous? And a lot of people just seek out kind of the positive ones. But in reality, if you experience all of them and take them as they are, you prevent some of that rumination and, and that, pushing stuff down. That is so such that's a, the, the that's first such a good there. point, Ben. And uh, that's something that we need to teach our kids from an early age. Uh, it reminds me of something that Josh yeah. Waitskin uh, has been talking about. I try to follow him. He's a child prodigy, chess master, uh, martial art uh, champion, world champion. He's just an amazing human being. And he says that he, one thing that he has applied to his kids is, or his kid, is when it's a rainy day, for instance, he'll grab his kid and say, it's a beautiful day. Let's go outside. And just trying to shift that preconceived notion that some things are bad or good, or he'll have a cold shower with his kid yeah. and say, oh, this feels good. And yeah. um, it's so important to learn that from an early age. And I mean, you see how much work we have to put in right now to re 
program our minds to think that way, but hopefully this this word and this this uh, this philosophy that you're trying to spread will will spread far and wide, and we'll see a new generation of people coming along that are not going to struggle with this later on in life. Thank you for sharing sure. that. Absolutely, and I think that's a great example. Yeah, for sure. And I think the another example right with that I've seen, it's actually my sister has done this really well, is, you know, I have a, she's five-year-old niece, and if she's feeling a certain way, my sister will prod and say, you know, you're telling me you're feeling sad or mad, but what, what else are you feeling? So then my five or six-year-old, nine-year-old niece, I have a couple different nieces. Um, I was sorry. like, that's like a, she's five that's, and that's now she's nine. <laughs> got yeah, it, got it. Um, my sister's going to kill me for not knowing the exact age there. But anyway, um, <laughs> she'll then continue and has developed a list of maybe 15, 20 different emotions. So mm-hmm. now, already at this age, to be able to say, hey, I'm confused. And that's okay that I'm confused, but I want to know how to get you know, unconfused, for example. So that's a great, uh, to piggyback of, uh, for what you were saying there, we're getting rid of those preconceived notions and then also just expanding the, the vocabulary there. Yeah, I think that's important too, mm-hmm. expanding your vocabulary and understanding, you know, there's not just five emotions that, you know, we could all name off, but there's, yep. there's a lot and it's not, it's, it can feel like anger, but it really is you're just confused and that those are completely different things. But if you're not really taught that and it's later on in life, it's, that's hard for you. It's hard for you as a person to change that. Yep. All right. So that's the first one. What's the the next one is understanding so, your thoughts or stories yep. that you're telling yourself. So basically just knowing that, yeah, all the thoughts that we have in our minds are our stories and we can either latch onto those or not. And so for example, if I'm going to, into an interview and all of a sudden I start to feel some doubt creep up and maybe it's saying in my mind, well, maybe I didn't really prepare for this. Maybe I should have spent more time thinking about these questions, or maybe I'm not the right fit for the job. I could latch onto that at a very poor time right before an interview and convince myself that I'm an unprepared person, I'm a doubtful person, or I'm really not a good fit for this job. Or I can allow those thoughts to you know, simply move out of my, my mind and get back to a centered nature. And if you think about it, <clears throat> The there's a few kind of visualization techniques that I, I've been taught for this to literally think in the terms of there are words that are in your mind and moving in and out. One of which is if you picture just traffic and all these cars are driving by, each of those cars is a different thought. And I have the opportunity to say, you know, maybe a thought drives by that says, I'm an incredibly confident person today. Maybe I want to park that here. I want to keep that in the forefront. Maybe another one says wow, you really messed up that presentation. Let's let that one keep driving by. Because again, then it's just, it's out, it's out, it's not there. The same thought of, there's kind of a Ferris wheel analogy where if you think a thought enters on the left side of your head, it just goes all the way up. And then you can either let it off or bring it back around. Another one is with horses. So say each thought is a horse and they might kick up a little dust, but eventually they're going to leave and that dust is going to settle and those thoughts, again, are, are then just removed from your mind. So I'm big on the visualization side of that, where this actually goes really nicely into the third concept of kind of that concept of the inner child. And what I like in that, too, is that, you know, as we were growing up, seven, eight, nine years old, we start to develop some characteristics or some thoughts about ourselves, some self-esteem. We weren't probably you know, equipped with the right knowledge that we're talking about now or the right thoughts. So maybe as a kid, I labeled myself or was labeled as a shy kid or insecure, things like that. If you as an adult don't look at those type of things and understand why you thought of yourself in those ways, those things will creep up in the absolute worst times as an adult. And so then as an adult, if I still ever struggle with insecurity... I might think back to the version of myself that kind of taught me to feel insecure. And a lot of times, again, it happened as, as children. And as cliche as it sounds, it's basically allowing yourself to tell your inner child, hey, I got this. I've got 20 plus years now of more experience. We don't have to be insecure. You can almost hug your inner child type deal. Um, and just allowing that if you're feeling insecure today, for example, 
that's not just a one-day thing. That's 20, 30 years of buildup that's shown you how to feel insecure or telling you why you should right now. And the more you can realize that, the better you can deal with it. Those, those are three good takeaways. And the second one, I struggle with so much. And maybe other people don't struggle with it as much or maybe more than I do. But... Man, I let those thoughts, well, you can grab onto a thought and go down a rabbit hole where you're building this story and you come out and you're like, Alex, what are you doing right now? Yep. And you've just like freaked yourself out, backed yourself out of this, put yourself down and taken your like created the story in your head of what's going to happen. It's like, yep. right, prepping, you know, when you think something's going to happen. And I've been doing a lot more like mindfulness stuff this year and that's the one thing you said, like letting it go through. It's like, if you can just get that stuff to pass through, I just feel it doesn't weigh on you. It doesn't like, it's just like this weight that does not need to be there because it's not, it hasn't happened yet. It's not true, right? You don't know. And it can just sit and I feel so heavy sometimes. So I think that the visualization that you brought up is, is like very helpful because that's something I think I can easily just, okay, let that Ferris wheel go and kick it out the right side of your head and get it out of here. Yep, absolutely. And the inner child, the inner child's interesting. I think giving yourself, it's like a personal confidence booster. Like I just visualize giving yourself a hug, like, come on, little Alex, you got this. Like, dude, you've been doing this forever. You're fine. Pat him on the back and get out of there. And it's that same concept of, you know, if you thought of yourself five years ago and where you were compared to where you are now and all the worries you would have had in the last five years, and you're still here, you're still where you are now and you've grown so much and then taking it that step farther backwards to you know think of your childhood and you weren't equipped to handle the things you are now and you've done so much and experienced so much and 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 that's uh it's a great concept definitely interesting to to research and learn about there yeah it's crazy so my <clears throat> christina my wife is she does um she teaches kids online in middle school and we we're just talking about their age and it's like it's crazy that in middle school how old you i mean like what like 11 and you're in like middle school and it's just you, there's such little babies at 11 so you're not that old but do you guys remember being in middle school you're like i'm so cool i'm, I'm an eighth grader like you don't, you, don't really, you don't know anything you don't, you don't know, know anything i'm 30 and i'm still trying to figure out how to handle some of my emotions in life so i mean and those are key times when you're a kid like that you, you develop a lot of stuff and i think it's important yeah. like you said what your sister what your um what your nieces are learning i think that's valuable because you know now you know, you get older and you become more secure with your feelings and you're going to counseling or whatever it may be. And it's hard to rewire your brain. You know, it's, it it can be difficult and you can struggle with it. And so I think the more we can just be open with ourselves and start doing stuff, you're never too old, right? Start today. And in six months, you're going to be in a better spot. Start today. And in a year from now, and you know, on October, what, what is it? 15th, 16th, you know, it will be, you'll be a completely different person. And I think that's yep. huge. Yeah. I, I, I do you journal at all or like daily mindfulness or any of that stuff. So I've, I have, I've done it consistently and then kind of fell off and then recently picked it back up. Um, but I do think journaling is incredibly important. Just another avenue of you can let out your feelings. And if those thoughts that you can't quite allow to, remove themselves you can get them on the paper and they can remove themselves that way Um, yeah that that's a good point it's also like i feel like i was struggling at it at first i think the one i was doing you had to write like three things you wanted to accomplish today four good things about you right and it was like whoa i do not do this enough because i can't even like it was like difficult to think of what to write so i think even that just helps you become a better person absolutely uh, ben, you have been with Badger Liquor. Uh, you started with one role and you continued with that role, but then you took up on this other uh, title in addition to your more business title. Can you tell us a little bit about about that and what, sure. what's going on? Yeah, absolutely. For sure. So I started three years ago as primarily the director of sales training and development, so helping with new hires and bringing them up to speed on our products how to approach our customers and work with our customers there. And then as of this past May or June, I also took over our diversity inclusion team. The diversity inclusion team has been formalized over the last two years, and there's been such a huge emphasis and push on the importance of it. Um, 
And I think with the diversity and inclusion team in our company, you know, as a white male leading a diversity and inclusion team, that is a bit of a an oxymoron. And we understand that. We know that throughout the state of Wisconsin, we work with such a diverse group of bar owners, restaurant owners, liquor store owners, um, uh, grocery store owners, and individuals of um, different groups, different groups, uh, minority groups have different challenges running a business and different ideas and different backgrounds than just a, a white owned organization. And right now, our company is a very still white organization. So we want to make sure that we're arming our employees with a constant understanding of everything from understanding biases to how to interact with people from different generations, different races, genders, all those type of things. Because in some instances, you know, a historically white company working with a not historically white necessarily customer base, we have to be able to match and provide the amount of service and understanding and value to all of our customers, including LGBTQ and anybody that works with us. There's just so much more that we have to learn and know. Um, so that's where I've had the opportunity to roll out some basic level conversations, starting with managing bias. What is bias? What is unconscious bias? Does everybody have it? Yes. What is it meant for? Like those very basic level conversations. And most recently, we've also started talking a lot about anti-racism. So right now we're in the about a halfway point of a three-month um, campaign highlighting different anti-racist resources with a testimonial from each of us on the team about why it was important to us. And in this specific example... We have a lot, again, if there's a, a white person stating that they found a lot of value in a piece of anti-racist material, other white people will start to put themselves in those shoes and understand that, yes, we have a long way to go. We have a lot of work to do. And it just opens up the conversation and the dialogue that within the company had not been very um, prevalent you know, previously. And then how do you act and how do you make amends and all those different things come into play there. Um, but that's been the focus for really the team of the last two years and then me for the last that's, uh, several months here leading it. What you said about being a white person and leading this and being oxymoronic, uh, I, I definitely recommend listening to our podcast with Jonathan Messirian. Uh, one of the first interviews we did for the weekly rundown, he touches up on what it's like to be the white man coming to save the day and how, how the white man always... Uh, feels like they have a responsibility to fix things and instead uh, it should be to stand on the side or behind the leaders in uh, different uh, in communities that have uh, a different background so um, very fascinating Ben and the fact that you you know, being in the world that you are uh, liquor is you're know, seen in a different light uh, from from our eyes at least that we, we see it as a you know, it's a standard. You're you're basically a monopoly in many ways, right? You have certain brands, and the fact that your brand is coming out to take ownership in society is truly fascinating. I had no idea about this. Mimosa has been doing business with uh, Badger Liquor for the past uh, few months, uh, well, about a year now, actually, and uh, even more happy with the decision that we have made to switch switch over to you. So thank you for everything you do. No, that's great to hear. And I think just uh, a reminder of just how serious we're taking this and that um, it's a, an absolute top priority focus, knowing that we have so much work still to do, um, but we're getting the making sure we have the pieces in place and, and getting that work done. So I definitely appreciate that. Awesome. Ben, this was a great conversation. I know I got a lot out of it, and I know our listeners did too. But before we let you go, we have to do our cream city pacers rapid fire questions okay are you ready for them i don't think so but yes <laughs> i so. appreciate the honesty okay so what's your favorite route to run slash walk in milwaukee so i would say from for me it's the walk the walk from uh basically the zoo to sendix in elm grove 
and it's not really like a route per se, but you can kind of go up through a couple different bike paths and then you kind of come out obviously terrible with directions here, but I just know it takes about an hour, 45, two hours, but that's been one of my favorites. Yeah. I like you're saying that I'm usually pretty good on where that is and I can't put it together. So I'll have to go check it. We'll have to go check it out with you one day. Yep. Okay. If you could bring one person to Milwaukee to go on one of your walks with you, who would it be? Steve Carell. Nice. Whoa. Yeah. Okay. Or, hey, gr- it's either answer. Steve Carell mm-hmm. or Eli Manning, one of the two. Don't ask why on Eli, but Steve Carell I, could make sense. Why, <laughs> why Eli Manning? Is there a story behind this or what? You know, for a while there, he just kind of looked like the last person that should be winning Super Bowl MVPs, and he just had such a demeanor and a poise about him. And he just earned a ton of my respect as a Packer fan because he kept beating us. And he's also very hilarious as he showed in Saturday Night Live and, and Twitter and things like that. So, yeah. yeah. You, that, you had the fastest answer to that question in CCP history. <laughs> and you not only had one answer, but you had two answers with, with reasonings behind it. So kudos. I would bring them both, yeah. Can't choose between them. It would be both. <laughs> <laughs> that would be pretty hilarious. We'd have to get out there and film that. Okay. What is your favorite, it's favorite pre-race pump-up song, but let's change it. So what's your favorite song to get you going before you go on one of your adventures? Yeah, that's a tough, that's a tough question. Um, That's a tougher question than, uh, oh yeah, my my pump-up song is um, Perfect by Logic. I love that. That is a, that is a, that. That is a good pump up. We're all giggling yep. right now. This good is beat. funny. That's a good beat. Do you know, yeah. but do you, do you, do we, I, f- I feel like we need to get some credit to CCP's Instagram story for this. So where did you find this, hear about this Logic song? From where you uh, just mentioned there. Yeah. So I actually had not <laughs> downloaded Ooh. the album. And then I think what you had was that first song, the intro song. I was like, what is this? This is this is nice. And then I downloaded it that day and that's Dude, where I a, found it. It's yeah. a good album. I think I listened to that album front to back for yeah. at least a month there when it came out in the summer. Or I don't even know what day it is, so who knows? It was this year, I know. But yeah, great song. Okay. And last one, what's one piece of advice you want to give to people looking to kind of get out um, and break their norms during get out there and be active during COVID. I would say just the starting is going to be the most important part. And for me, I likened it to either the starting of the walks and then trying each time to extend the walk a little bit. I started doing some kind of stationary biking, not quite Peloton. It was kind of a knockoff Peloton, but just starting that and then developing the habits. But I would say that the advice is just to start and to go do I love it. That is the best advice because if you don't want to get out there, don't even think about what like the finish is. Just like go out and say, go down the block or going down the street. And then from there, once you're out the door and you get started, it's you just keep going from there. So what sweet. There's another rapid fire question. It's only for you. Never going to repeat it. But what would you say to people uh, that are looking (laughs) that have not done any counseling or going gone to see anybody but the decision of who to choose who to go with that's a big uh the it seems like there's a lot of decision fatigue associated with that uh, for myself too so how would you navigate it and would you like, should people feel as pressured if you choose somebody change go to somebody else uh trust is a big thing with people and and their therapist if you could give one piece of advice please Absolutely. And it'll be kind of a three part one piece, but um, it's definitely if you can get any personal recommendations, if you know somebody that has gone and it's really had a good conversation and a good um, uh, relationship with their therapist, I think it's also to understand that you're not going to find out in the first conversation if you really click with said therapist, it is going to take probably two or three conversations. And it can be kind of like dating where you do have to have some patience and you have to understand if, you know, this relationship is going to be mutually beneficial where is this person I'm talking to, do I find myself trusting them enough to tell them the truth? So if I'm not telling them the truth, this is a waste of everybody's time. Um, 
are they asking me the right questions to help get that out? And can I see myself continuing with their advice or with uh, the recommendations? If not, or if there's a personality conflict, whatever that is, um, it might be good to, to, to look elsewhere. But I would say if you can find a personal recommendation, but then also just being patient and knowing that just like any relationship or dating or friendship, you want to still find a, a good match that can bring out the best in you um, and the, the most and honest another self thing that you can bring. to tell people, because I really want to want us, if anybody out there is listening that they need this, uh, we, I really want to nail it in. Uh, pricing is, is a big thing. Uh, do check with your health insurance because I had no idea yeah. when I was looking at the price. So, yeah, you know, this is a personal investment. It's worth it. It's definitely worth it. And then I was surprised that my insurance covered a big chunk of that. So do look into that too, people. So. Yep, absolutely. And there's also some newer online options as well. So if you're more concerned about maybe meeting face-to-face -face or not, or if you are open to more of a texting or calling or FaceTime type environment, there are some good online options popping up as well. Awesome. Ben, this was great. This is that's super insightful, and I appreciate your time. Um, and we'll have to get out there to Tosa soon and get on a walk with you. I'm excited. Get a nice 40-hour walk or something Dude, crazy. I don't yeah. know. Here's the deal. Like, I don't know if I can 40, walk that step. long. I don't think I could walk that long. That's gonna, I'm going to have to train so I can come out there and do that. So that's yeah. going to be a bit. <laughs> Might be a little while then. Yeah. But. Oh, that's super cool. All right, dude. Um, enjoy the rest of your weekend, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Thanks again, everyone. Thank you for listening to this week's episode. We had a great time talking to Ben. Ben opened up a lot of insights to us about mental health. I know I did a lot of self-reflection while preparing for this interview and then talking to Ben. And uh, since we recorded it, um, just thinking a lot more on my own mental health. So I hope you guys got a lot out of it and appreciate you listening to the end of the episode. Um, as always, if you like what you hear, please subscribe. Leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. We greatly appreciate that. Go follow us on uh, social media. You can find us on Instagram and Facebook at Cream City Pacers. And... If you could share this podcast with one person that you think would enjoy it, we would greatly appreciate that. You guys are the best. And until next Friday, keep on running.